The following message was preached by Mike Friedline on James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. Today we're going to look at James chapter 2, verses 14 through 26. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to give you a little bit of an overview of what's going on in this letter. We'll define some words and then we'll go through the text. We will show that James' argument regarding faith, we'll look at his response to a, a possible critic. And then we'll take a look at some examples that James uses out of the Old Testament to, to kind of nail down his point. So the main idea today is true faith saves. And what I want to ask you to do, my exhortation today, is examine your faith. So a little bit behind the background of what's going on. The letter of James, of course, was written by James, who was Jesus' brother. He was part of the inner circle, Jesus' inner circle. And he was also the leader of the church in Jerusalem. And with other New Testament authors that write letters in, in the New Testament, James is addressing conflict. And there's several things that he, that he addresses in his letter. The splintering of fighting factions that are, that's going on. They're falling into worldly lifestyles. And they're not really putting their faith in the practice, which kind of sounds like what we see day to day in, in modern Christian churches. So before we get into the text, we need to define a few words so everybody's on the same sheet of music. We're not going to ask you who God is, but the three words we're going to take a look at, we're going to define faith, we're going to define justification, and then sanctification so that everybody's on the same sheet of music as we go through James's, uh, his argument. So to learn these words, we're going to use the same method as what we've been using to learn the catechism from the New City Catechism. So what I'm going to do is we'll put the question up and have everybody respond just like they did in the earlier, in the earlier catechism question. So I'll, I'll ask the question, you respond in kind. So have we got it, Matt? Question number 30. So what is faith in Jesus Christ? All right, and then question 32, what do justification and sanctification mean? Amen. Okay, well done. So what I'm going to do now is I'll read the text in its entirety, then we'll pray, and then we'll dig into, into these verses. So verse 14 through 26. What good is it, my brothers, if someone says he has faith but does not have works? Can that faith save him? If a brother or sister is poorly clothed and lacking in daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed and filled, without giving them the things in, in needed for the body, what good is that? So also faith by itself, if it does not have works, is dead. But someone will say, You have faith and I have works. 
Show me your faith apart from your works, and I will show you my faith by my works. You believe that God is one. You do well. But even the demons believe and shudder. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith apart from works is useless? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered up his son Isaac on the altar? You see that faith was active among, among, along with his works, and faith was completed by his works. And the scripture was fulfilled that says, Abraham believed God, and it was counted to him as righteousness. And he was called a friend of God. You see that a person is justified by works and not by faith alone. And in the same way, was not also Rahab the prostitute justified by works when she received the messengers and sent them out by another way? For as the body apart from the spirit is dead, so also faith apart from works is dead. So you pray with me, please. Lord, we thank you for this day, and we thank you for this opportunity to gather and worship you. And I pray today that your word is made clear so that we all understand the purpose and, and your intent of what you're trying to teach us. And I pray that we have open ears and open hearts, that we absorb this message, take it to heart, and be able to use it in our daily lives. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I used to play basketball. I know that's hard to imagine. But we had a saying that, that talk was cheap. And uh, if you're a sports fan, you know that you see this all the time. You see trash talking going on all the time. And that was no different when I played ball. And it was easy to make proclamations about how good you were, what you could do. And that was no different. And I remember one game that uh, I was playing, and, and the game just started, and the opposing player was guarding me. And he was right up behind me, and he was, he was talking to me, and he was saying how he was going to keep me from playing well. He was going to destroy me. He was going to take care of me in the whole business. I thought, boy, this, this is kind of silly. I don't understand what this is all about. And, I, and, and the funny thing was I, I just kind of laughed. And I said, well, you know, bring it. Whatever you got, bring it. And, and uh, I'm not bragging or anything, but uh, I, I scored 20 points on him that game. And he failed miserably in what he was talking about. But the point of all that is that your actions give credibility to your claims. Your actions, they gave credibility to your claims. And that's what James is saying in the first couple of verses in 14 through 17. What good is it if you say you have faith, but you don't have works? Now notice what he's not saying. What he's not saying is faith plus works equals salvation. He's not saying that. But he, but he asks if the faith that you have is accompanying works, is accompanied by works. The deeds and the works that you have that you show demonstrate the faith that you have. If you say that you have faith, that's good, but, what, but is it saving faith? And then he gives the example, and this microphone's driving me nuts. Sorry. Uh, so he gives an example in verse 15, and he talks about a brother and sister in need and having 
and walking past them without doing anything. And then the phrase, then they say, go in peace as they pass them and not do anything. Well, go in peace is really, is really a prayer. And how often do we do that? How often do we say, we'll pray, we'll pray for you, and we just go about our daily business and really don't do anything? Think about that for just a second. How, I'm not arguing that prayer isn't important, or I'm not saying that every time there's a situation that arises that you need to jump in and do something. But if you have the capability to help somebody, if you have the capacity to help somebody, you don't do it, and you just say, I'm going to pray, well, that's, that's kind of a cop-out, I think. It's an, it's an evasive maneuver. How many times, for example, if we had a meal request come out, one of the ladies sends out a meal request, Sherry sends out a meal request, and you, and you get that and you say, you know, I, I really don't feel like cooking, but, you know, I'll pray for that family. Or how often do you get, uh, you know, we'll ask for people to help on uh, church cleanup day. I don't know, I'm pretty tired. I worked pretty hard yesterday, but I'm with you all in spirit. We're all guilty of that, and, uh, and uh, I'm not saying that every possibility that relates to service is a responsibility. But if there's the means and the opportunity to do it, I think you have to take advantage of that. But that's what, that's what James is talking about with faith showing. Faith is not bloodless. It's not tearless. It's not invisible. But true faith is defined by your actions. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to borrow an example from a pastor from Kentucky. His name is Greg Gilbert. And Greg Gilbert says, if you plant a seed, but nothing grows out of it, you, then you can rightly assume that seed was dead at the start. So what kind of faith do you have? You know, God's already answered prayers. You don't want to lean on a shovel and pray that the hole is built, or the hole is dug. Is your, is your faith the lazy, leaning on the shovel type, or is it faith that works? The quality of your faith shows up in how you live. Very simple. And that's what James is saying. What kind of faith do you have? So in verse 18, James engages with a hypothetical critic who says, I have faith and you have works. And what the critic is saying essentially is that faith and works are completely separate, equal val equally valid gifts. Some people have faith and some people have works. The critic pits faith and works against one another, but James says something differently. He says that the faith and works are friends. And he says that faith is the roots and work is the fruit of salvation. Saving faith, general, genuine faith, shows up. So let's take a look at Matthew. I'll read this to you. You can turn in Bibles if you want to. Let's look at Matthew 7, verses 15 through 20. And Jesus says, Beware false prophets who come to you in sheep's clothing, but inwardly are ravenous wolves. You will recognize them by their fruits. Are grapes gathered from thorn bushes or figs from thistles? So, every healthy tree bears good fruit, but the diseased tree bears bad fruit. A healthy tree cannot bear bad fruit, nor can the diseased tree bear good fruit. Every tree that does not bear good fruit is cut down and thrown into the fire. 
Thus you recognize them by their fruit. A live faith bears fruit, and this fruit is seen daily. When we are born again, we want to love God. We want to glorify God by performing works. So James moves on and says that mere affirmation of faith, in other words, just telling people you have faith, is not saving. So if you look at verse 19, you believe that there is one God. Now he's going back to these Jewish roots. He's got he's a Jewish audience here. And this is the basic concept of monotheism, that you believe that there's one God. He's going, good, way to go, believer. You got that right. But even the demons believe that. So that's not, <laughs> if the demons have that kind of faith, it's, it's dead faith. What is James saying? And, and as I was going through this, I was reminded of a parable that Jesus had about the Pharisee and the tax collector in Luke 18, 9-14. He also told this parable to some who trusted themselves that they were righteous and treated others with contempt. Two men went up to the temple to pray, one a Pharisee and the other one a tax collector. The Pharisee, standing by himself, prayed thus, God, I thank you that I am not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week. I give tithes of all I get. But the tax collector, standing off, would not even lift his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. So yeah, the Pharisee, I mean, he probably knew about more about theology than anybody else around. Uh, he knew more about the law and the Torah. And by golly, I'll bet you everybody knew about that too. But the tax collector went home justified. Why? Because of his actions. He humbled himself and he begged for mercy. And this is the picture of repentance. Faith and repentance are two sides of the same coin. We see them in the tax collector who is poor in spirit and bears the fruit of mercy by doing his Father's will. So now that James has offered his argument, he offers two examples. He chose these two examples from the Old Testament, examples that were chosen primarily for his Jewish audience who could relate to these. So he starts off in verse 20, and I thought this was kind of fun. Do you want to be shown, you foolish person, that faith without works is useless? You know, hey, dummy, I went through all of this, I made my case and everything, and, uh, and you, you haven't gotten it yet, so I'm going to give you a few examples. So he uses these examples of Abraham and Rahab as a, in verses 21 through 25, which I read earlier. But now we get a little bit of a catch here. Verses 21 and 24. Justified by works. Whoa, Nellie, what are you, justified by works? Isn't that, it, doesn't this say that Abraham was justified by his works? Doesn't this contradict Paul? Paul says in Romans 3.8, for we hold that one is justified by faith apart from the works of the law. So is James correcting Paul? Can you have a contradiction in the Bible? Does God contradict himself? 
Well, we know the answer is no, and, and I hope this last part I'll be able to clear that up and show you that they actually complement each other as opposed to opposing each other. So as you study the Bible, there's two concepts that are very important to keep in mind, and one is, one is the concept of context, and the other one is the meaning of words. So I'm going to look at context first. It's very easy to cherry-pick verses out of the Bible and uh, use them to support what you want to say. And that was very evident, for example, in, in the Civil War, or before the Civil War. People would take verses out of the Bible, cherry-pick them, and say, well, yeah, the Bible says that chattel slavery is great. No problem. And we see that here, where people kind of cherry-pick these verses where it says that they were justified by works, both, both Abraham and Rahab. And they're taken out of context. So let's put them into context and let's show what we're doing here. So Paul knew that his teaching was being distorted. And this happened with a lot of the authors, but Paul actually talks about it in Romans 3, 7 through 8. But if, though my lie, God's truth abounds to his glory... Why am I still being condemned as a sinner? And why not do evil that good may come? As some people slanderously charge us with saying. So he's, he's addressing that. People are distorting what Paul's saying. And James, in part, is trying to correct some of this distortion. So Paul and James are both on the same page in terms of defining true, true faith. James 14 asked, if that faith that is without works can save, he asked that question, can it, can it save without works? The faith. And then Galatians 6 is the key to seeing that they're both the same. They're on the same sheet of music. For in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision nor, circ nor uncircumcision counts for anything, but only faith working through love. So you see, Paul is saying the same thing. The faith has to be accompanied by love or by works. So they're on the same sheet of music there. So if you, so if you finish verse 23, he says, Abraham believed in God, in counting, in, it counted him righteous, and he was called a friend of God. So he believed in God, that's the faith, and it made him righteous. And it... So then he said, you'll, then you'll see that the faith is active among his works and faith was completed by his works. That's the saving faith that we're talking about. His faith was active along with his works and his faith was completed by his works. So the other way we can understand Scripture is try to grasp the meaning of words. And I'll give you an example. If I give you the word rock, for example... And someone might say, rock is, uh, is, is a diamond. Okay, if I talk to Paul Davis, I say, what's rock mean? Paul's going to say, well, it's a type of music, right? Or if I talk to Justin, I say, what, what do I, what's a rock? And well, that's, that's what they use in basketball, and that's what they put in the basket. They shoot the rock. Or if I talk to Elliot, I told you this was coming, right? Elliot will tell you a rock is something he picks off the ground and puts in his polisher. So you see, the word rock has, has four different types of meanings depending on what you're talking about. And that's what we're going to see here with, uh, with uh, Paul and James. So just keep in mind what, our, what we talked about. Uh, we define justify. 
It was declared righteousness before God, made possible by Jesus' death and resurrection. But Paul and James used justify differently. Paul used the word it with its, from its technical meaning, judicial acquittal. In other words, justification is a pronouncement of being made right by God. Okay? James is using an older common way of using the word. Justification is this, in this case is a public presentation of the person's righteousness. In other words, he's using the word justify as proof. It's the proof of being made righteous. So you see in, chapter, or in verse 24, for example, James says, you see, that is, that you can tell or prove that a person is justified by the presence of works that demonstrates that he had saving faith from the very beginning. So what, is James, so what James is saying in verse 23 agrees with what, what Paul says in Romans 4.3 on the same subject. For what does Scripture say? Abraham believed God and it was counted to him as righteous. It's the same logic with, with Rahab. Same thing. James is using justification in the sense that works show the presence of the saving faith. But the bottom line is this. If you ask James or Paul... What, what they mean, how does a person get right by God, they'll both answer with verse 23 that I just read. James concludes verse, in verse 26 by restating his whole point. Faith apart from works is dead. I think Mark puts it best in, in chapter 4, verse 20. And recall, this is the parable about the sower, that the, the seed falls on path and off the path and so forth. <clears throat> the parable, this parable concludes with verse 20. But those who are sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit 30-fold and 60-fold and 100-fold. So what's all this mean to Christians? If you made a profession of faith, true faith, in the death and resurrection of Jesus, then you were reborn with a new heart and you are on the road to sanctification. You are a new creation. You want to be Christ-like. You want to be holy. You want to love your neighbor. And you want to do everything for God's glory. Works aren't drudgery. They are welcome and joyful. Do you have to do everything? No, you don't have to do everything. But you should ask God for what, what needs that He places upon, before you that you can act upon. This is the challenge, and we must examine our faith to de determine if it's genuine or counterfeit. If you fear your faith is not genuine, there is a solution. You can confess to God that you have fa false faith, and ask him for the gift of true faith. Faith in Jesus who died for our sins so we might die to our sin and live in our righteousness. To be clear, it's not our works that save us. It's vitally important. Our works do not save us. Our faith doesn't save us. It is Jesus Christ who saves us by his grace. We put faith in God 
in a God that gives God's Son, and God's Son saves us. We do all the sinning, He does all the saving. Salvation is by grace alone, through faith alone. But remember that faith that saves is never alone. Pray with me, please. Lord, we thank you for your word and we thank you for your instruction. And I pray that we all have true faith that is demonstrated by how we live our lives. And I pray that if we find out we don't have true faith, that a merciful God grants us that true faith through his grace. Thank you again for this opportunity to present your word. And I pray that, it is, uh, that I did that faithfully. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.